you know what? I doubled my sales year after year and year after year. The foundation of our company is training education on sales. Like we don't take our eye off, off the ball there. No way. Welcome back to another episode of All or Nothing in Real Estate. I'm your host, Matt Smith the founder of All or Nothing in Real Estate. This podcast is a movement to give back to this amazing industry that has given so much to me and my family. Today, we have a very, very special guest, one of my good friends, an elite operator, an elite coach. This guy has been a wildland firefighter, an ice road trucker, a Boeing 747 flight crew member, competitive mountain bike racer, and now he is in the wild world of real estate. Without further ado, my good friend, Nick McLean, welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm really honored and excited to be here. Yeah, quite quite the intro. Yeah, I love it. You have quite the resume, my friend. Well, you know, I'm really drawn to adventure. I was early in my life, I was drawn to adventure. You can tell by that resume, right? I was like, I, I want to get it. I want to fight fire. I was really a, always an athlete too, three sport athlete, five. I wanted to play every sport possible not not like kids today they have to specialize so early i played everything and i did it because i love teamwork and i love competitiveness and competitive nature i love growth i love that and you could see it in your personal body and you could also see it in your leadership and your cooperation on and off the field so you know hearing that just reminds me of why i do what i do and we're going to be talking a lot about teamwork now in real estate because when i fell into real estate it's like i didn't want to be a sales agent but I really wanted to be a team leader and a leader in my life. And I found a way to do it through building teams. I love it, man. And you've built an amazing team that 20% um, market share year after year. Is that correct? Yeah, we've been up to 20% market share, one out of every five homes, kind of like you, small market, bigger teams, you know, take on our unfair share of the marketplace. Yes, sir. By working together. And yeah, there was a few years, not year after year, because, you know, we don't do a lot of new construction at all. Same. We're a re resale, you know, referral, lead gen business, relocation business. And so as the market kind of went lower and lower inventory, your relationship with the builder made more of an impact in market share. But our team continues to grow, continues to uh, convert at a high level and continues to be, you know, very profitable, in, even in today's market. I love it. And in addition to being an amazing team leader, you also are a Chet Black Select coach. Yes. Which I know you and I talked offline and one of your favorite things to do on the planet is training. And so I'm sure coaching is in alignment with that. And so um, I think I, I would like to start there. Let's just dive into the importance of of training, whether you're a new agent, you're a team leader, you're a veteran agent, what is the importance of training in your mind and your eyes in today's real estate market? Well, it's interesting because I always like to say new agents and experienced agents make the same amount of mistakes. They just make it for different reasons. And I want to say that first and foremost, because every time you hear training in real estate, you think new agents, new agents need training. And I was just doing a training earlier today uh, with a team in Knoxville. And I said something along the lines of, I've seen a correlation between agents, their training and their success, number one. And number two, uh, when an agent says I no longer need it, the following year, their sales decline mm. almost every single time. 
So why is that, that as soon as an agent on my team or that I've coached across North America says, you know what, Matt, thanks for all that training, but I think I'm good. I would like just, I just want to stay home now. I got it. I've heard it enough times. Have you ever heard that, Matt, on your team? All the time. So we, All the time. Too many meetings. We have had too many meetings. When are we going to lay up on the, the meetings? And it, then what just happens? the same thing over and over again. Yeah, We've yeah. heard it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear and it all the, the time. And then the following year, their sales plummet. Plummet. And so I, I know this for a fact because I found this out in aviation. So when you're a commercial airline pilot, you get hired at, a, say, American Airlines, JetBlue, wherever, whatever it is, Atlantic Southeast Airlines. They put you through training. Well, you just got done training, and then they put you through training again just yeah. to make sure that you can do it their way, and they have to make sure they sign you off. Okay, so you, you get signed off. You pass training. You're in the field. You go on the flight line. On this, on six, 180 days later, they bring you back into training. And why do they bring you back into training? Because from the day you graduated from training, you slowly drift off course. You slowly lose your skills. You slowly lose your sharpness. You slowly lose procedural discipline. You slowly degrade. But, but how is that possible, Matt? I'm flying airplanes. I love it. Right? No, because you're get, you're starting to build habits even though you were trained a different way. You start skipping steps and getting getting lucky, getting yes. away with it. Right? You like, like take take an example showing showing buyers homes, right? You can follow the steps in training and it's going to produce a really high result, right? Matt Smith is going to train I'm going to train you on XYZ PDQ. You get done with training, you are sharp as a tack. You are on it. Six months later, you got away with skipping the con- consultation. You got away with not setting expectations. You got away with, you know, like not following up a million times. You you got away from these things and your conversion rate slowly goes down. And so you got to bring people back into to training. So I think what happens is you have to have this, this mindset. I know you're big on mindset that this is our culture. We are, we are a culture of never, never ending growth. Like, like yeah. can I constant and never ending improvement constant? And I couldn't remember the I constant and never <laughs> ending improvement. But with that is, is, you know, you have to have variance. You, 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 as a trainer and a coach and a team leader, you have to have like a plan in place for all of the different areas that you should cover. Yeah, because if you want your agents to be engaged, if your attendance go, starts going down, it's probably your, your probably your training is is a little too repetitive, repetitive maybe. Sure. And so, how do I say the same thing in a different way? How do I go over negotiations in a different way that might connect with them differently this time? I love it, and and there's so much there. So, I, dude, we are in such alignment with that, and I think that um, one of the things that's important. So, like as an example, this is how how much I believe in one of our core values as a company's education. Mm. And that's, that's inward and outward facing. Right. And so we believe in educating ourselves consistently and constantly, but also part of our job and responsibility as a real estate professional is to educate the consumer and the buyer and the seller of the community. And mm. so it's, it's a du- dual part um, core value. Um, but I think the can, I'm curious your opinion, Nick on recertification of training 
And so I think that you were kind of going down that path with being a pilot. So one of the things that we have in our business is a recertification process. And mm. so it's just a 2.0 version of the highlights, the bullet points, the basics. So you just get reinvigorated, reintroduced to the things maybe you forgot along the way. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a great idea. And and you package that and it's a, it's what they expect to do in the future. Like, so it's not a, let me bring you back in because you're doing things wrong. Let me bring mm -hmm. you back in to hold you accountable where it's, it's part of the culture and it's part of the plan. It's like every six months or every quarter or every year, we're going to bring you back in and you're going to go through the recertification, the boot camp again. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be a shorter condensed version, just like you do with your license every two years or every year. You got to go back and take your 60 hours or your 30 hours. But let's be honest, that 30 hours or 60 hours in my state, like it's almost worthless. There's no value to it, to someone's business. Yeah. Agreed. Same. So is, is, you know, in a lot, that's the competition, right? The competition's level of education is every two years based on whatever state or province says. That's the minimum standard. So what's the standard at our team when it comes to education? What's the standard of our team when it comes to designations? What's the standard of our team when it comes to learning and growing outside the business, personally and professionally? You can, you can define those things. You can be specific and measurable as well. So, you know, always empowering your people. My Tessa on my team was a listing, she's a listing coordinator. And I think on her two year, her two year review, she, she's very comp, she's very, um, she's very intelligent. She's very aware. And I knew this, I could tell it was a little bit, she was a little bit different than the other listing coordinators I've had in the past. And I said, you know, if you weren't doing real estate, what would you do? You know, what, what are you really, really passionate about? And she said, she said human resource. She said, if I wasn't with you, I'd be a human, I'd be in human resource. And I said to myself, huh, well, how about you become our human resource director? We're not to the level of a corporation and we really don't need a human resource person, but I want to support your growth and learning. So is there a certification or a designation that you can go out and seek? and bring back to our company. And then maybe you could do two hours, three hours a week on human resource and you could put it on your resume. It's almost like I'm training her to leave me to go to a corporation. She went out there and got certified, apparently found like the top human resource certification you can get outside of a university and got it. I paid for it. It was like, a, it was like two grand. Matt, what has that done to my company? Oh Yeah. She took over the payroll. She took over the 401k. She put together a policy handbook. She does exit interviews and exit interviews. She understands state law. She understands worker comp, sick leave, all of that, right? Because of this like foundational value that like you have in education that we're not just going to do it in our industry, but we're going to support it out of our industry too. And so you think about that and you think about that, how do you do that with your agents too? And I think it's really impactful. 100%. You know? And you think about like, not only is that impactful for your entire organization, but also let's talk about the individual. She's actually doing something that she enjoys, that she's passionate about that. And like, she, she's probably enjoys life way more living her dream 
because you gave her the path to continue to find that education to contribute to your organization, to your team, but it also fulfilled her bucket. And so it's a win-win on both sides. It is. And, you know, I've, I've done with it with agents, you know, NAR has lots of designations, certifications, so it doesn't always have to be what you created in your organization. Yeah. You just need to create that environment and support that and pay for it as a team leader, invest in them. You know, I mean, really, really invest in them. I've invested in higher levels of licensing, licensing. Every one of my staff members get, get their real estate license, every single one of them. Um, usually on their one year anniversary, all my property managers, all my property management assistants, listing coordinators, transaction coordinators, inside salespeople, yeah. like, you know, everyone gets a real estate license and that's just the standard we have because I wanted every single person that interacts with my company to know that they're dealing with somebody at that level of fiduciary service. I love they it. can answer questions. Now, do they answer questions? No, but they're licensed. And what a great rite of passage that on your 12 month anniversary as a closing coordinator, you get your license. Yeah. And they do it off hours too. And things like that. But you know, when it comes to agents, I wanted to bring this up to you, Matt, because I think we, we share the same, we share the same belief here that real estate is a sales job. We, we, we open sales career. We, we run a sales organization. Yep. And so a big part of the education has to be on influence, persuasion, human behavior, human psychology, scripts and dialogues and, you know, call to action and closing. And I know this from my history, my, my first year in the real estate industry, I sold one home. It was 2008 and it was during the great recession, the market collapsed. And that's why I think I remember telling myself, that's why I only sold one home. But in hindsight, I know the truth. And I do a lot of digging here. Here's the truth. My first day on the job, my, my broker said, welcome to real estate sales. And I looked at him and I said, what do you say? He said, real estate sales. I said, sales? No, 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 no. I thought this was real estate. I thought people come in the door and I get to do CMAs and appraisals and <laughs> write contracts and negotiate. He's like, no, 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 man, this is sales. Yeah. I hate sales. I don't want to be in a sales career. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You're in the wrong business. So the, for the next 12 months, Matt, I was determined to succeed without selling anything. Mm. Right? I was determined. So <laughs> I did everything possible right that didn't involve sales. I knew the contracts. I knew the inventory. I knew everything about easements and property lines. I was determined to know everything other than sales. And I sold one home. And that's because my broker gave it to me Wow! on a silver platter. Okay. Okay. Well, it wasn't until desperation hit and I had $300 left on my name and I couldn't afford the gas in my car that I got a bus pass because I'm a hard worker. I'll grind it out and I'm stubborn, right? I'm not giving up. So I got a bus pass. So it was 45 minutes to an hour to the, to the real estate office each way. Sound like an old man, like up, uphill in the snow <laughs> each way. And I got on the bus. Well, back then, 2009, 
Cell phones weren't what they are today. I couldn't scroll Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and stay engaged and not be bored. I was bored on the bus. So what did I start doing? I started reading books on the bus on the way to work. And out of desperation, I said, you know what? I'm going to, st- I'm done. I give in. If you can't beat them, join them. Right. I was sick of seeing agents that are less intelligent, you know, less skilled than me in terms of knowledge win. And so I started reading every single sales book I could get my hands on, on the bus, on the way to the office. And wouldn't you know, Matt, I sold 12 homes that year. And and wouldn't you know, my third year, I sold 32. And wouldn't you know, my fourth year, I sold 62. And it had everything to do with sales. I love it. Right? It had everything to do with, and I also had another rule. Everything out of desperation, man, and being broke, everything I learned in that book, I would try, I would do it. I wouldn't question it. If it was a script, I would use it. If there was a technique, I would use it. I would implement everything. And I learned that from one of my mentors too. He said, humble implementation, humble. Don't question it. Don't say, oh, it doesn't work in my marketplace. Oh, oh, but whatever. It's a different industry. Yeah, buts, right? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I got questions for you. How many people did you know? And where are you from? And what was your background? And how much money did you have? Right. None of that. I would just do the work and I did. And you know what? I doubled my sales year after year and year after year. So my the foundation of our company is training education on sales. Yep. The first and foremost. Like we don't take our eye off off the ball there. No way. I love it, man. So there's so much good stuff there. It reminds me of an exercise I did with my team. Um, and it was like, if you take the pandemic marketplace, you didn't have to be good at sales to make a lot of sales. Mm. Right. And so I think that that's created bad habits. Um, sometimes we forget the follow-up, the, the influence, the, the closing tech, just the sales dialogue that it's needed in a typical or normal real estate market. Um, and we're swaying back that way. And a lot of people are getting left behind. Right. And so one of the things that I said probably 18 months ago to my team is I said, guys, things are shifting. They're going to change. And I'm privileged to be in rooms with people like you and other leaders across the country to kind of foresee some of these things that are coming. It's not that I have a crystal ball, but um, I'm around the right people in the right rooms that I can kind of predict what's happening. Right. Um, And one of the things that we talked about was, guys, I think we forgot something about this business. And I grabbed everyone's real estate licenses and I pulled them out and I handed them to everyone. And I said, I want you guys to read. What does it say on the top of that? It says real estate licensed what? And they said salesperson. And I said, all right. So I want you to say it out loud together. And we did this exercise like, hey, we're salespeople. We're salespeople. <laughs> like just to refresh and remind ourselves that we're not door openers. We're not order takers. We are salespeople professional salespeople, it says so right here on this document that I worked my tail off to get. I'm a real estate licensed salesperson. And I think that sometimes we just forget that. And I think it's, you said it so beautifully that we have to train, we have to educate, we have to consistently remind and sharpen our skill sets around sales. I said this to my operations team uh, multiple times, and some people may disagree with it, but it's just how I truly feel is even my transaction coordinators, my marketing department, my front desk receptionist, anybody in my company, my message to them continually is that we all work on commission. 
every single one of us works on commission because the only revenue we create is from the sales that we do make. And so we all have to be salespeople and support the sales, which is the revenue to our company. You want to raise, you want to increase your revenue, figure out how we can get more sales by you supporting at a higher level because we all work on commission. And it really, really helps with that mindset of getting the, sometimes the operational minded people, the task oriented people that are amazing and do an amazing work for our company to get them to see the 30,000 foot view of my tasks that I'm doing every day are crucial and they're important, but they're also intended to help us get more sales. If I help us get more sales, then I get a, I get a pay raise. Right. Yeah, and I think it's really important to have everyone rowing in the same direction. I, yeah. And it reminds me of a, a book, Daniel Pink's book to sell is human. It's a really, really good book. And it, it goes on to say everyone is in sales. Everybody, even if you're not in sales, even if you don't even have a job, you're in sales. Yep. You have to influence or persuade or get people to, you know, eat, you know, eat what's for dinner or, you know, your, your kids to pick up the room, right? All of these things you're in sales. So to, to be human is to sell and that's okay. And you have to embrace it. It's like, you kind of have this moment where you're kind of like, Hey, everybody, it's like an A meeting, you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, I have a problem. I mean, I'm, you know, type of thing. And it's true, but it's also empowering. So yeah. here's what I also find agents that naturally are not gifted in sales with the right training can far exceed people that are naturally gifted. I've seen it. Time in, yes. One thousand. I've seen it. The agent comes to me on my team and he or she is charismatic, knows a lot of people. Uh, their appearance is amazing. You're like, they're going to crush it. They don't. And you don't like, why aren't you crushing it? Or, or they get to a certain level and they just plateau. Mm. They, they, they have this, their ego will not allow them to put themselves in positions of failure. Or to look less than perfect, to look less than amazing, and to look less than naturally gifted. Because if you sound gifted and you look gifted, people have probably told you you're pretty gifted. So now you got to protect that gift. Or, or you, you actually believe what people are saying to you. And so you have a ceiling. And I've seen them have the ceiling. Where other people, I'm like... You know, like myself, I was introverted. I didn't, I was resistant to sales, but I learned it. Like the X's and O's, I studied it like a science, right? I was very intentional with everything I did. I never relied on any natural ability other than being introverted and very aware and being able to pick up on body language and things like that, which helped me, you know, really elevate. So I think that, and that goes to that book, you know, Mindset by Carol Dweck. You know, that is, the, that's a book I've given to everyone on my team. That's a book we've done book clubs on where we all read it together. Mindset where it's basically, there's a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. The growth mindset thinks I'm not good at it yet. So instead of, I don't like sales, I don't like sales yet. I'm not good at sales. I'm not good at sales yet. Right. That's a completely different mindset to have. Versus a fixed mindset is, oh, I'm good at sales. I'm naturally, oh, you should get into real estate. You're great with people, right? And then they get into real estate and it's like, wait a second, not all these people aren't really that 
excited to talk to me. I'm really good with people because I'm usually in positions of social events and other events where everyone is excited to see me, right? Someone signing up on a website isn't necessarily excited to answer your phone call. Yeah. So how do you, how do you collapse time in that relationship where they haven't had to do that in a while, where they, they take someone that they don't know and turn them into someone they know that they collapse time into a friendship, you know, do, does that, any of that kind of thought process spur any thoughts in your head? Man. Yes. So much good there. So it's, I think that what, what I think you and I have in common is process-based sell, selling. Right. And so mm -hmm. like, I remember, I'll tell a quick story. My very first sales job, I just fell into, it was credit card processing, right? So you want to have a crappy sales job, go find someone to try to get them to pay you money and switch for credit card processing fees. They don't <laughs> right. want to pay for, right? Um, you're like my next job after that was radio selling air. Both of those are just like, those are the first two sales jobs that I do with no sales experience. Somehow I ended in real estate and I'm doing okay. Um, but I remember I, I started very quickly in that credit card sales processing business. And I had no sales training, just a few online videos that they taught me, right? And they, I had to buy my own binder, print my own notes, and it just had tabs. And the process was I met with the prospect and I went through the tabs step by step by step. Well, I, I caught a hot streak. I was number one in the region within my first three weeks of the company. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Well, then I'm start, I get confident. I get arrogant. My ego kicks in. I'm like, well, I got this. So I leave the book in the car. I go three weeks without a sale. <laughs> I'm like, what changed? What happened? And I look back in the back of the car and I see the book and I'm like, all right, let's go back to the basics. Like I knew the book at this time, like I did this 15, 20 times a day, right? Like I knew it. But there's something about so slowing down and going back to the basics where you don't skip steps and you go back to the basics of a proven sales process that got me back on track. And I was number one in the region for a year and a half. Mm. And all I did was literally read the book to the prospect I was talking to, but I followed the process. And so um, there's a lot of lessons there I could unpack for people, but I think it's so important that we don't let our ego get in the way of our potential. And we also realize that if you work for an organization like Nick's or like ours, we have created predictable sales businesses. I can tell you exactly what the result will be if you, if you commit to an activity, right? Within five or 10%, I can tell you what, how much money you will make, how many appointments you will have, what you will do in this business if you commit to this amount of activities and commit to coming up to the training so we can work and skill play some of the accountabilities around it, right? Skill role play some of those skills that need to be built. And I think a lot of people mistake this business as it just falls in your lap and they work on accident instead of on purpose. I think that is really the difference maker in those people that are good salespeople versus those people that come into this business, they treat it like a business and they continue to excel year after year and they pass that good salesperson up because they put their ego to the side, they humble themselves and they follow the process and are consistently skill building along the way. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up process-based selling because it, it is a great way to train agents as well because, you know, we were at, recently we were at the Maverick Mastermind in Las Vegas, you, you spoke on stage. Actually, there was another speaker, Carmen, who, um, Justin's partner, Justin Haver's partner, yes. Carmen, she's a pianist and like high level world-class 
pianist, right? And she also is a world-class trainer and coach, right? And to get people, seven-year-olds, 10-year-olds to be performing at the highest level on the piano. And she talked about breaking things down into the smallest section and then practicing that. So you have this buying process, like you have, you have this buy, buyer experience from website, from your web, searching on your website to registration, all the way to closing, getting the keys and all of the steps along the way. You need to train your agents on every single step. And so that they have an understanding of each step. I mean, as small as you can get it, that leads to the next step. And if your agent can then explain the process back to you, that means they can explain it to the client. And if they can explain it to the client, they can close deals, period. It's easy. I'll tell you how. No matter where I'm at in the process, I can say to Matt, my buyer, like, would you like to know what happens next? So I could be showing a home. Hey, it looks like you like this home. Before I ask you if you want to make an offer, would you like to know what happens next? If Matt says, I would like to go home and think about it. Awesome. You want to think about it. And if you decide you want to move forward, would you like to know what happens next? Oh, we're not ready to list our home yet. We want to think about it. No problem. If you decide to list your home, would you like to know what happens next? Right? If you could just get that down and know what happens next, they will always say yes. They always say yes. Like, and as a good litigation attorney or a good attorney, you never, you never ask a question to, to a witness on the stand that you don't know the answer to. So in sales, I like to ask questions I know the answer to, right? Yep. And then you're like, well, what happens next is we go to the office and I, I, I explain the paperwork to you. I call the listing agent to figure out what intelligence I can find out if there's other offers. We get a hold of your lender. We make an offer. I submit the offer. We negotiate. And they're like, oh, guess what happened? I'm way more confident. And they go from, I want to think about it too. That sounds like we should probably move forward with the next step, <laughs> right? And then you just do yep. that step by step by step. Like that's what you're doing with your manual, right? You're like, let me just show you the steps. Yeah. Yep. I love it, man. I, I wrote that question down. I, I circled it. So that's the magic question. I'm going <laughs> to, I appreciate that. It's a good nugget. Love it, um, man. I want to, um, I want to talk about um, team building in today's marketplace. I know that's something that, so I, you said sales is a part of like, we just interact as humans. Sales is necessary. Yeah. I think there's two skills. If you were to narrow it down to two skills, this is my opinion that matter if you want to be the best version of yourself and you want to grow into something, whatever that is, you're, you're accomplishing something in your life. There are two skills that are crucial for every human. Number one is sales. And number two, I believe is leadership. If you have great sales skills and you have, you understand leadership at a high level and are become a great leader, you can accomplish great things in this world. Um, so let's talk about building teams in today's marketplace. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, John Maxwell, your, your organization rise and falls with the level of your leadership Yep. and that leadership's you. And it's also the leadership at every level within your organization. And so as you cultivate leadership, throughout the entire organization, your, your business should be rising. And then you're going to lose some leaders. They're going to leave you. People are going to leave you. And then you're going to have to build new people up. You know, I just had four of the, my top five agents leave. And people are like, oh my gosh, you, you okay, Nick? Like, no, you know, listen, we're a team. And just like an organization like the San Antonio Spurs or the New York Yankees or the LA Lakers, right? Do they, is their team the same every single year? 
Mm. No, no. There's contract negotiations. There's trades. There's people that got cut. There's people that retire. 100%. We are not, this is not a problem. Greg Popovich at the Spurs is like, I still got Tim Duncan. We're good there. Okay. I don't need anyone at the power forward. Right. But you know, we got Tony Parker, right. But we got Bruce Bowen just retired. So now we need a small forward. So we go recruit a small forward. We go trade for a small forward. Okay, well, maybe we there's not anyone in the free agent market that's experienced that's in the small forward. So maybe I need to build one. Maybe I need to develop one. Take one from that's not licensed, get them licensed and train them. And so for me, when it comes to team, and I'm getting to your, your question, like to me, a team is that. Yes. It's it's look at your team as a sports organization, a sports business. That's a, That's the best analogy I can think of. And you're the coach or the GM. You're the coach and the GM. The coach is kind of like the sales manager, trainer, organizer, right? Holding them accountable. And the GM is the personnel person, right? They're looking, they're, they're the recruiter. You know, they're the also the talent acquisition person. And you're putting together that team. And I think about it that way because as I think, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. Because I had already been thinking about this. We have a scholarship program, 10 new agents joining. Right. We got other agents on the team. Who's going to step up in that role? Right. You ever have an agent leave your team and the other agents say, can I have their desk or who's going to call their leads? Yeah. Like someone steps up, man. When you got a good team, a good leader, a good coach like that, people just step up. Who's stepping up? Like, I'm not worried. Now I did lose some leadership there. So now I got to cultivate leaders. I need people to step up as leaders. Okay. What does that mean? Right. I, you know, you need to get experience. You need to share that experience. I need other people. So that's how I'm thinking about teams right now is, you know, really building your squad, really building your bench, really building your starting five, right? And know that it's fluid. Yes. It's fluid. And you do need to make changes. You do need to adapt. Man, I that reminds me of something. I had had a lot of people ask me this because um, I spoke on leadership a couple of times. I've been very fortunate to be on some some stages and um, and I and I'm as a coach, I talk to some really amazing team leaders, and they say, Matt, you pour everything into your people. Aren't you scared that you're going to give them everything and they're going to take it and leave you? And so I think it's a great question, and I think a lot of us maybe um, fight with this, and I still fight with this internally, mm. but on principle. Here's how I live by that is you have two choices. You either you treat them so well, like you have you can either give them everything and hope that they treat them well enough that they stay, or you can not train them, not educate them, not build them, not develop them, and then hope that they're dumb enough to stay in your organization, right? Like you do you want people that aren't trained, that aren't skilled that that stay with you? Like so I want to I want to find the combination of both. And I'm not um, ignorant to the fact that not everyone's going to stay with me forever. Like, however, here is my commitment is everyone that comes into my organization by the time that they are ready to step up, step out, retire, do your sports analogy, whatever, be traded to another team, whatever that looks like. I have deposited so much in them that they're leaving a better person. They're leaving in a better spot. They have a better skill set and they are better set for life in the future because of our organization. And when you do that, you can't lose. You just can't lose. You can't. And that is a mindset. And a, well, it's, it's not just a mindset, man. It's a, it's a philosophy. And you can almost go to a John Wooden philosophy. John Wooden, you know, if you don't know who he is, 
UCLA coach won something like 11 national championships. Something like that. Lou Alcindor was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, Bill Walton, all these different men. And, you know, what he was doing is he was coaching people and leading, leading young men to young men to become men and amazing people within their communities, their families, their society. Graduate from college or go out and become great people in this world, in this country. Yep. Not be the number one salesperson, not to stay on my team forever, not to be, none of that. Like there was a graduation that was coming and John Wooden had a four-year graduation. So he wanted the highest graduation rate. He wanted people to go on to become lawyers, dentists, doctors, you know, fathers, right. And, and coaches and, and spread the word and, and develop people. And so you, you have to take that philosophy. And as a real estate team leader, you have to, otherwise it will kill you and you will never grow to the level you want to grow to thinking I got to how do I figure out the right comp plan to keep everyone forever? Yeah. No, it's not, it's no, you know, and it's a little bit of where as team leaders, whether you're new to team leadership, building a team, take it from me after doing it for 12 years, you know, play the long game here, play the long game. If someone leaves you, they just left you for now. And maybe you just weren't ready to keep them. Yep. Maybe your organization was a little too early to keep someone at that talent level for long enough. Let's be honest. I've had people leave and come back when I was ready for them to come back. And it took a mirror for me to realize in the hindsight to go, wait a second. They left me when I was kind of like 32 years old, drinking Manhattans every night coming, you know, you know, maybe I was a little too, my leadership wasn't to the level it is today. It really wasn't. And now they came back to me because they noticed a change. They noticed a maturity. They noticed something in my marketing. They noticed something in the way I'm training other people. They're like, well, okay, well, maybe I'm going to come back to Nick. Yeah. Maybe he's matured a little bit. And that's happened in my life. You know, Angie on my team, Angie was, I just wrote her a check. She sold a listing. And I looked, the last time I wrote her a check was six years ago. She, she sold 55 homes the year she left me. Wow. And so if you think agents are going to leave you because they, they're struggling, no, they'll leave you because they're crushing it. Yep. That's my experience is most of them is because they're crushing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because what's going to happen? Other teams and companies are also going to notice that yep. and they're going to recruit them. And they're going to say nice things to them and they're going to do things and they're going to whine and dine them for sure. Their friends are going to say, Hey, are you going to stay? How's that going? Are you stay with Matt forever? Are you stay with Nick forever. Yep. And they might leave, but that's just for now. We'll see, you know, and, and luckily Angie and I stayed really, really good friends. And now she's back on my team. I wrote her a check, a big check, by the way, it was big. <laughs> she, she hit the ground running. She closed four homes in her first month back on my team, man. Love it. I love it's it. so awesome. So, you know, as team leaders, we play the long game and also your legacy are the people that leave you. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's part of it. I mean, in my little tiny marketplace, I think there's probably six offices that, that I trained. <laughs> I don't have six yet, but I, I will eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah there, and I might be several. exaggerating teams, yeah. teams and brokerages. You know, and it's almost like the Bill Parcells coaching tree. Like it's like the Matt Smith coaching tree. 
and and I and it's 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 I'm still not 100 there. I have some maturing to do. Um, I know where I want to be though. Um, I want to 100 of the time like look at that and be like, wow, I'm so proud of of them and that they were a part of. I was a part of their journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a uh, it's, it's so hard, time. isn't it, Matt? It's, it's so it's hard sometimes, right? But it's uh, but that's that's the high road is is always the the way to go. And you know what stings is the way they leave. Sometimes sure. you're like, dang it, dang it, would you have just done it? If would you could you have just come to me? Yeah, for you sure. Know, you know, and 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 so sometimes, but I think Matt, when they leave, they're scared too. Yeah, for sure they, they are. They've never left you before. They've never left an organization before. And there's not a playbook for the agent to leave either. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, what's the playbook? We have a playbook in our head, right? Come to me, you know, let's work it out. Let's take the high road and all yeah. that. And that's just not how it goes. Yeah. And, and I've had that happen too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you have. And that's always great. And it's great for the culture. It's great for the company to see when that happens. Um, and you hope that spreads. If it happens in the future, more happens that way. But um, we learn from all those lessons, right? Yeah, it's happened where they leave the right way and it feels so good. It sucks, you know, and you wish you could keep them, but, um, you know, leaving on the right terms is it's a beautiful thing. For sure. Yeah, I think um, one of the things to wrap up on building teams, I just think that sales, we talked about sales and training. Mm-hmm. I also think leadership is crucial in today's marketplace. There are like leadership, you, you had some great nuggets on leadership and the importance of it. But I also think that... Um, you didn't have to have great leadership. You didn't have to have great training. You didn't have to have great anything in the pandemic marketplace to have your record year. And I think what we're seeing and we will continue to see is a shift and an adjustment to great agents like your agent returning to your team, returning to great leadership, returning mm-hmm. to great systems, returning to great training because of the value that that provides to an agent that it, it's really, really hard to go from agent to business owner, right? That's a really tough transition. It's tough. And so I think that um, if you're a team leader listening, just work on your leadership skills and realize that it it's, it's a continuing um, process. And the leadership language is like learning a whole nother language. And it's it's compounding each and every day, especially when you're leading other 1099 independent contractors. It adds a whole another nuance to it. Um, but just like Nick said, play the long game and you will never lose. You may lose in the short term. You may lose a quarter. You may lose in the halftime. But at the end of the game, eventually, however long you want to play this sports game of real estate, if you play the long game, you will always come out ahead. Yeah, and part of the long game of leadership is that development, mm-hmm. that that commitment to developing yourself. One hundred percent on the leadership side of it. And I, you know, I went from sales books. It's funny you mentioned that. I went from sales book to leadership books. Now that you say that, I went from sales books to leadership business and leadership books. You know, Peter Drucker's and John Maxwell's and all that. Yep. And I also, it was always in me to be a leader. I always really wanted to be a leader. I mean, really, I built a team so I could be a leader, and be in a position to lead. Yep. Um, and I was, you know, I kind of always took that servient leadership, serve, add value, support, um, hold accountable, um, lead by example. Always, always kind of went with that. I, you know, never tell someone to do something that you wouldn't, that you haven't done or you wouldn't do. 100%. I say that all the time. 100%. Mm-hmm. I, and I say, and, and this, this will kind of en- encapsulate everything you just said. 
um, is I believe there's only one way to lead, and that is servant leadership by example. Mm. We've heard the two separate, be a servant leader, lead by example, but I think they're all encompassing. If you can be a servant leader by example, I think that solves all the leadership problems. It's, and it resonates with people because everyone has experienced leadership in their past. Mm -hmm. And they, that's an interview question. What leadership do you respond well to? What leadership don't you respond well to? Tell me about your a leader that in your past that you've looked up to. Tell me about a, a, a leadership experience you that you you didn't enjoy, you didn't yeah. like. You know, you'll learn a lot from them. And it's also, the interview is a continuum. The interview doesn't stop once you hire them. Mm. Our, last, our last team meeting on our way back from Maverick I was in the, I was on the plane with my director of operations, my managing broker, Kim. And I said to Kim, we're going to re-interview everyone. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, our next team meeting, we're going to go around the room and we're going to ask one interview question. But now it's group interviews. Tell me okay. about a time. Tell me about the biggest challenge in your life you had to overcome. You're proud of. It's like a John Sheplak question, but you, we say it in front of the group. And it was one of the most powerful meetings we've had in a long time, right? What's your, I mean, even the cheesy stuff, what's your greatest strength? What's your greatest weakness? Go around the group setting and do it. That's team building, right? We're talking about team, team building, team exercise, and you're killing two birds with one stone because you're re-interviewing and they're going to recommit because they were never more fired up than they were the first month with you, Right. And you're wondering, how do I re-inspire them and get them motivated again? Well, take them back to the time they were motivated and I the questions it. you asked them then, you know? So I just love it. I mean, I love, I love team, I love teams and I love leadership. And I think when you boil that down to that, don't start a team if you don't like leadership, you don't like teamwork and you don't like sales. I yeah. think if you can't check those boxes, don't start a team. And don't think, oh, I'll just hire them. Okay, let me know how that goes. Yes. The biggest lie that you can be told is gurus that tell you that when you're a team leader, you work less and you can just hire your replacement and everyone else does all the work and you can go sit my ties on the beach somewhere. Like when you become the title of leader and team leader, my experience is um, I now have 65 individuals in my organization that I'm responsible for providing opportunities for. I work harder now than I ever have. Because those people, yes. even, even if you have a director of training, that person's going to get sick or go on vacation. So you're going to have to step in. You know, and, and you may not like training, but you got to be good at it and you got to be able to step in. Uh, we were just talking to uh, on our podcast, the Reside Platform podcast, one of number 21 team, Carrie Scholl, in, in the nation. And she was just, you know, she said, I haven't gone on a listing appointment in like eight years and I went on one so I could take someone with me, you know? So she's going, she's getting back to the fundamentals and the basics. Cause she said, I looked back on my team and when we were really crushing it, like absolutely crushing conversion rates, client experience reviews, and really how I built this thing yep. is because I was doing these certain things. And so I just went back to that. 100%. I, I literally just went to my listing team last week and said, all right, tell me your appointments for next week. Let's see where it lines up. I'm going to shadow you. Mm. I'm going to be a fly on the wall. I'm going to make improvements, right? Like same thing. Um, it's just the continuous obsession with the details. 
Like it makes I, all the difference. Yeah. We, we just got cut, you know, we wanted to get to this point where we could be on the beach sleeping Mai Tais and the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss or the seventh level Gary Keller thing. And it's like, well, that's, that's not the whole story there, is it? You know, and you, you look at someone like Elon Musk and there he's walking the floor. He's talking to the engineers. He's jumping into the, the, the coders meetings. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing all these things like, Oh wait, maybe that's what it's like. Yeah. Maybe that's what Henry Ford did. Maybe that's what Richard Branson does. Maybe that's what they do. Jeff Bezos, all the, all the people you look up to, you can name them. Like maybe that's how they did it. And then you, you walk with people like you, you walk with people like me and you walk with people like John and you're like, wait a second. Okay. No, you gotta be, you gotta get back in there. Yep. Not all the time. Like it's ascend, 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 you know, delegate, delegate for sure. Right. Build an organization, but also have ways to get reporting done and ways for you to go in there and check it out. hundred percent. You got to inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. 100%. Awesome. Nick. Well, man, this has been so much fun. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. You've got all this stuff going. You met, he mentioned reside platform podcast guys, go check that out. They're doing some amazing things over at reside platform. It is a, um, I don't think he would say it, but I'll say it. It's a cheat code for real estate agents that feel stuck or team leaders that want to grow. Like they are doing some amazing things So go check them out. And Nick, um, let's close with this. I want one question for you, Nick, what is your superpower? Uh, my su- well, my superpower is I'm, I'm very focused. I would say I'm very, very focused. I have an ability to narrow, narrow stuff down and and not necessarily know what to focus on but when i lock in i have the ability to ignore everything Mm. and i think there's two parts to focus one is focus the other one is distractions and what i'm good at is (laughs) just ignoring distractions like my wife will tell you i will get locked in and she could be talking to me for days and i don't hear a thing I just don't do it. I just have this, I just can turn it off. So I think whether that's your RAS, you know, your reticular reticulating activating system, what it is is basically like once you focus on something and you, you kind of, what you're doing is just tuning out everything else. Yep. So the reason why you see the, you know, the, the mini Coopers, cause you bought a mini Cooper or a Tesla cause you saw Tesla. Now you're just ignoring all of the cars on the road and only honing in on those. So I think that's a, that's a superpower of mine. Um, and that's why I've been good at building courses and doing different things like that. Cause I can just, it just, it, I'm just, I'm okay with ignoring everything else and focusing on what I need to do right now. Okay. Any good executor, any good ep- implementer does that and they don't move on until it's done. Yeah. I think that a lot of, um, this is kind of counterintuitive what we said earlier though, like a lot of great salespeople aren't great at focusing. Mm. Right. And so I think that that combination of your commitment to sales skills and your superpower of focus is what what my observation, one of the reasons why you continue to succeed in Excel is because you have a great combination of those two. And I, I get I get drawn to these things, you know, like leadership pulls me like I'm drawn to it. I get energy from it. You can almost have a feeling, right? There's some things in your life that you're passionate about that feeling of that feeling of flow, that feeling feeling of like hyper focus it only comes so often but when you're there 
and time vanishes, it feels so amazing. I want it again. I think that's part of the reason that I'm a competitive mountain bike rider because I'll ride and ride and ride and ride, hoping to find that moment where everything goes away. And I'm just so locked in on whatever I'm locked in at. I just love that feeling. I, I just love, love I love being locked in. That reminds me of um it's a it's a terrible movie. Um it's not terrible. It's definitely not a good movie. I'll say that. Um Biker Boys. Have you ever watched that no. older movie? So it's racing the racing motorcycles. Um, but like it reminded me of like there's a one of the guys has a superpower of when he's he's the best racer in the movie. And he sees like it shows him when they're racing the quarter mile drag strip on motorcycles that the rest of the world disappears. And he has this like magic funnel that appears in front of him. And that's all he sees. Oh, and so that's good. and that's why he is always the winner. That's why he, he's never been beat. Yeah, I love it. Biker boys. And the, this can happen in during prospecting, too. Yeah, I've been on phone calls where I just get so dialed on that conversation and listening. And whatever it is, I'm just in flow. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next. Yep. I'm not thinking about a script. I've done it so many times that I'm just so in it and I just can't lose. It's almost like you can't lose on yes. that call. And it, it feels really good and it feels amazing. And so that's part of life too, isn't it? And sales is how do you make it enjoyable? Like prospecting. I hate prospecting. I don't like prospecting. I don't want to do that how do I make, how do I, how can I prospect and enjoy it? Yeah. It's like a, a, a way to frame it. You got to frame prospecting. Like what needs to happen for me to enjoy that? Well, I love doing things I'm really good at. I don't know about you. Do you like doing things you're good at? Absolutely. Okay. So I, me too. I love it. So I was like, well, I'm not good at prospecting. So in order for me to love prospecting, I got to be really good at it. Yep. And then once I, once I did that, I want, watch me. I want my mom to watch me prospect. Hey mom, watch <laughs> me. Did you see that? I recorded all my phone calls just so I could show them to people. I love it. I you love know, it. cause I'm like, watch me. I'm good. I love it. I remember like the very first time that I experienced that flow state at a very high level was the very first time that I was asked to speak. Um, and it was by one of our, our, our mutual friends, John Cheplak. He asked me to speak at Lake Tahoe a few years back and when he asked me, I'd never been asked to speak on a stage before. Um, I didn't tell him that until afterwards, right? So <laughs> like I overprepared and then I forgot about it for a week and said, I'm overprepared. I got to go natural, right? And it's, I think like that, that feeling really, literally when I was on the stage, like I got, it felt like I was up there for three minutes and I was up there for 45 minutes and I got off the stage and it was like an out of body experience. It was like, wow, I hope I delivered what I intended to because like I, my arms are like floating right now. It was just like, it was a really, it was like fulfilling feeling. And I think it's like when preparation and opportunity meet, mm. like you mm -hmm. get that, you, it's so important that you had the, if I didn't have the preparation, I wouldn't have had that feeling. No way. Same no thing way. with your prospecting example. If you're not prepared, you're not good at it, then you don't get that, that result. Yeah. I'm even going to share, you, you, you nailed it, man. And this has been awesome. Um, uh, I think we do have to end. Yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate your time so much. Um, we went way over than we were supposed to. This is just good conversation, my That's friend. So I, I appreciate your time. Um, and Nick, if someone wants to reach out to you to find out more about your courses or what you got going on at Reside or just wants to connect with you, how would you like for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, Instagram, Nick, Nick McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N, like M-C-L-E, Nick McLean, R-E. 
is on Instagram. Find me there. You can also get pick up my book, Million Dollar Agent, The Proven Playbook to Build a Real Estate Empire on Amazon. Nick McLean. Look it up. It's um, a great book. Yeah. Follow up on Reside Platform Podcast and follow Matt because we're in the same rooms and eventually you'll see me <laughs> tagged in his photo. So <laughs> well, I appreciate you. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. As always, this is a movement to give back to this industry. So if you got value, I just ask one thing, share this with a friend. Let's help others. They need help in this marketplace. Let's be the help they need. Thanks guys. We'll see you next time. 